0: This episode is brought to you by Town & Country Event Rentals. Attention event planners. Looking for a one-stop shop for all your event rental needs? Look no further. Town & Country Event Rentals offers the best in event equipment and decor, from chairs and tables to lighting and linens. With a wide range of options and unparalleled customer service, Town & Country is the perfect choice for your next event. Visit our website, www.townandcountryeventrentals.com to book now and experience the difference. Town & Country Event Rentals, making your event unforgettable. Welcome to the Brew & Success Podcast. My name is Kelsey Bisecker, and I serve as Associate Director of Alumni Career Engagement with the UCLA Alumni Association, and I'm here with our co-host, Sarah Mosgrove, Assistant Director of Alumni Career Engagement. This season on Bruin Success, we're featuring career changers. From studying one degree and deciding to go on another path, to pivoting later in your career, we want to normalize that change happens and chat with Bruins who have gone through it. Today's guest is Natasha Case. Natasha is the co-founder of Cool House Ice Cream. She created the company with Freya Estrella in 2009 because they did not feel represented by the ice cream brands on shelves and knew they could create higher quality and more unique ice cream with a more authentic story. Natasha is devoted to transformational, positive change by creating mission-led businesses. At Cool House, she devoted her work to the next generation of women and LGBTQ founders, entrepreneurs, and creators of diverse backgrounds to feel empowered to turn their dreams into realities in an equitable environment. In August 2022, Natasha took on a founding CEO role with Lunch Bunch, and she looks forward to bringing her ethos into the Lunch Bunch business. Natasha has been named a Forbes 30 Under 30 food and beverage, Zagat 30 Under 30, LinkedIn, 10 under 35 for food and leisure, 10 most successful women in business by Leaders Globe, and UCLA's LGBTQ plus 2019 alum of the year. Welcome, Natasha, to the podcast. Welcome, Natasha, to the Bruin Success podcast. We're so excited to have you here.
1: I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. So to get us started today, tell us what you studied at UCLA and what you did leading up to your current role.
1: I studied uh, architecture, uh, master's of architecture, so I uh, went for graduate school. Um, and leading up to where I am today, I worked at Disney Imagineering. Um, and during the recession, I uh, founded Cool House. Um, so that was my uh, next uh, major you know, uh, career step. So I started that with uh, Freya Streller, uh, my co-founder, now wife, when we were 25. I did that for about 13 years, um, scaled the business, sold it. And now I am founder and CEO of Lunch Bunch, which is a kids' lunch delivery platform, fresh, ready to eat, um, locally made meals uh, for school or home. That's such a change. <laughs> One thing to another. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh, and I and in between Future Gin also with my wife and two other friends. So yes, have a I gin see. business. So. <laughs> yes.
0: So what kind of... Tell us a little bit more, because I am really interested in, in Disney Imagineering and what made you want to go into that? And then what is the kind of motivation for opening your first business before pivoting to lunch bunch from there?
1: Um so Imagineering, I think the the idea there was I, I I always was approaching the architecture education thinking this is a great you know, skill set to have that can have a really broad application. And I also believe you have to understand something to know how to break it apart and to like reinvent it. So um, I had also studied it at Berkeley uh, for four years. So it was really, you know, a, a seven-year experience, um, uh, which is which is not nothing. Um, so to me, Disney was kind of definitely in some ways a traditional application of the skills. You know, I was doing um, the hotel design the uh you know some of the kind of urban planning, um, but also very different um kind of thinking outside the box, thinking much more about the stories, the characters, the brand behind it, and just being around so many creative people with I think different takes on what architecture could be. Um, and I also think it's not a bad idea to start off, you know, at a bigger kind of corporate environment where things are really structured and pretty clear and the roles are pretty defined. And you can really see kind of like cut your teeth. Like how is, how is this done? How, how is it that a company can be this big and and do the things that it does, you know, and then you go into kind of startup mode with that, that specialized skill more so. Um, So I think that was kind of that, that was that was my approach to that. And then um, I was always interested in food, even during my entire architecture education. I also lived in Italy, where, of course, I felt very passionate about what I was eating and exploring with food um, <clears throat> and wanted to kind of combine food and architecture in a, in a unique way. Um, and that was really like a passionate hobby all through my, you know, undergraduate and graduate experience and at Disney. So when the recession hit is when I really started making the Cool House Sandwiches as a project with that kind of thinking and just trying to, you know, lighten the mood in very stressful times and make something delicious. And I think um, learned very quickly that there was uh, a, a huge opportunity in ice cream and in many food categories at the time to just really elevate the the quality and the um, the story behind things and the innovation and, and make it way more exciting and really make it something that felt <clears throat> like it could really kind of belong more to my generation and really be um, have kind of a more a more diverse like creator story. Um, you know, Freya and I as women as um, queer women, Freya as a woman of color. Um, so that was really, I think a lot of the vision there. And then, um, I mean, we can get more into that story, but I think, I think taking what I've learned, um, over in over a decade of growing cool house and building a brand with like a lot of value, um, and doing it in a unique way that always felt really authentic, you know? How can I now, what, what is, what is the next chapter with that? And so, you know, entrepreneurs, we see problems as opportunities and I'm definitely very close to the whole, you know, kids lunch, just stress and, and pain and problem and, time management and just the challenge of all of it, that particularly ends up falling on mom's shoulders um, in, in, in the household. So how is, what is, how can I reinvent this and how can I make it exciting and creative and feel authentic and do it in a really different way? Uh, but now as a mom kind of solve something for, for both kids and parents and um, make it just, you know, again, just like cool house, really delicious and really special and have the ability to make it kind of, you know, hopefully eventually become a household name. I
2: think a lot of people see entrepreneurship as this uh, very scary endeavor. Like it's, it's a lot, you put a lot of stock into it, a lot of times your own time, energy, money. Um, and I love the way you phrased how entrepreneurs see uh, problems. What was it again? Problems as-
1: Opportunities.
2: Problems as opportunities. I love that so much. Um, I, I definitely wanna get into uh, your new endeavor um with lunch bunch but uh i think just the cool house story going from architecture to ice cream is seems like such a a big leap with kind of like a, not too much of a connection there what were some of the challenges that you faced when you were starting your own business and you mentioned that it was more just for fun right off the bat but um how did you go about that process you really just built it from the ground up um and it became this you know it's practically an la
1: household name now so i appreciate you saying that um yeah, there were. Well, the, I'll talk about the challenges related to the architecture background and then just some of the challenges in general. Um, I think with architecture, while it, I, I still stand by the thesis that it's like there's so many exciting, amazing things you can do with that background, um, that being said, I don't think that there's a lot of emphasis on kind of business um, in architecture or how to set yourself up with that skill set to create kind of um, sustainable income or more passive income, um, or in some ways have ownership. You know, you think about it with architecture, you're creating all these designs and they they really belong to the client um, in, in, in a lot of ways, you know, um, and and there's not really, you know, so much of building is about real estate. And there's very rarely kind of, you know, that kind of architect getting the stake, stake in the game there. So I think I really had to kind of learn quickly a lot of the business fundamentals. Um, architecture is a In a way, the offices are run as very traditional small businesses. So, you know, what does it really mean to kind of be in CPG, to scale product, to build a different type of team? Just a huge amount of learning. Um, And I think also, um, you know, I mean, there are so many advantages. You know, I think architects, you know, a lot of it is about, you know, building a team and and you're sort of, um, in some ways, a jack of all trades, a master of none. And that's kind of good as an entrepreneur. Um, but that also kind of can be tricky. You know, you want to specialize over time. So it's like kind of learning that and figuring that out. Um, I think I think that definitely probably was the biggest challenge. I think in in general, the challenge of starting a business um as young women is is, you know, is is largely that. I think. People making a lot of assumptions about, um, you know, women in business or, for example, and this still happens to me today, um, people have in their minds what the CEO of a company looks like. And it's not, you know, a young woman with pink hair. <laughs> and I can't tell you how many times, like, we, I'd be at a trade show with my cool house team, you know, like, whatever, even in my, in my, like, I like, I like to wear, like, nice suits, especially before covid you know, standing um, kind of ready to go at at our booth at the trade show and people walk right up to the closest dude and be like, oh, are you the owner? You know, walk right by you. And then even if they hear it, they're like, oh, you're the owner, meaning like the owner of like the marketing
2: or the social media,
1: you know? So when people are not expecting it to be you, there's kind of some prejudice to overcome there. And I think also just being young, frankly, and, and, and people, you know, in some ways, rightly assuming that you're not experiencing, you don't know what you're doing, which may not be untrue, but a lot of people do things for a long time and still don't know what they're doing. So, um, definitely just a lot of, I think, challenges there, um, you know, maybe people not taking us seriously but we just believe so much in the idea i was like well if you're not part of this you know we'll just move on um so you have to have a lot of confidence and fearlessness in that way um and so yeah i think those were all of the challenges really that 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 were kind of most front and center. And I think lastly, I'll say, and any business owner will tell you, just like people and getting the right people and learning how to manage people. No two people are alike. Everyone has different motivations. Everyone has a different kind of relationship to their work. So um, you just have to be patient with yourself as you become like a manager and a leader and really figure out like, what is your personal style? What works for you? How you can best serve your team?
0: Not so many things, sorry. Just went through (laughs) my head because I'm still quite in shock that like you- You hear these stories of like kind of similar to yours where like people don't expect you to be the owner, not just as a woman, but maybe a young woman of like walking, but but hearing that they truly did just walk past you and go to the first man is just like still shocking to me that that is what happens. It's like, no, you can be a, excuse my language, badass woman running this company And know what you're doing. Like you said, just because you're young doesn't mean you don't know what you're doing. Cause yeah, there's a lot of people out there that have been doing things for a long time and still may not know what they're doing. (laughs) So I think that's just to be able to kind of show them, I guess, with your successful business. And then, um, now pivoting to your new business, um, a new idea that kind of just that, that moment of, ha, I can do it.
1: Yes. (laughs)
0: Definitely. With that though, now I want to know a little bit more about lunch bunch. And then, you know, you sold cool house. So what was that motivation? You talked about it a little bit with kind of the household structure, um, and you know, lunches. So what was that final kind of moment of, Hey, I've launched a business before that was successful. Let's try it again with this one. And kind of that point of change and what kind of motivated you now to grow this business.
1: Yeah, I think yes, definitely. Like like you said, the problem being so clearly presented and feeling like there's such a dearth of options um, to really address it. And I still can't quite figure out why. I think it's just a kids eating is a very intimidating, very loaded space. And parents and kids is it's a, a complicated relationship. Um, there's just so much wrapped in all of it like you said, in, within the household. So just so clearly being kind of frustrated with, um, you know, Fran and I are two like very busy working moms, um, very, very devoted to our children, but it's like exactly because of that, you want to be able to pick and choose like how you're spending your time to like best enjoy, enjoy life with them. And there's like so many options for adults. If you don't want to deal with lunch, you know, um, any kind of meal plan, on-demand ordering that you could dream of, you know, and you just don't see that for kids. So it's like, okay, that's what we do also as entrepreneurs. You're like, well, you know, I'm just gonna figure this out myself. Um, so really wanting to do that and wanting to like feeling like I had a very um like a- a- applicable skill set in a major way, like, okay, I know this, I can do this, let's let's figure this out. Let's, you know, this is something exciting to grow. I think on a personal level, um, I, if I was going to do it again with business one, I want to make sure that I could just learn a ton that I could bring a lot, but I could also learn like what's exciting is like learning and just embracing everything new. And I was like, this is okay. What, What I see for lunch bunch is you know and and what we are mainly now is a subscription kind of e-com business so you know you can do if you're a home subscriber which means we deliver locally to your home you're on a 3-day plan you're on a 5-day plan you know getting getting lunches or we can deliver to schools or we can be a service provider for schools we have some schools where we do all the lunches for all the kids whether that's in the bento boxes or family style um but you know first looking at the kind of subscription business like culass cool was very much not an e-com not a subscription company so it's like just so much to learn about acquisition and retention marketing. That's, and it's, and it's definitely, you know, some of it is common sense. It's, it doesn't have to be rocket science, but just feeling like excited to like kind of create it in like a a new way, you know? Um, and, uh, to how that team is built, what is the current data available? What is the most strategic way that we can do this? You know? Um, an obsession with the product. Like, again, like ice cream was what I like lived in breeds for over a decade. Um, So a, a lot to bring over with like knowledge of food and manufacturing and, and you know, health and safety and all, all that works. But like, okay, let's talk about now, these are meals. Like what is the perfect kid's meal? What is the cadence of familiarity? And what is the cadence of, you know, unique new dishes that are going to keep them excited? And like, just, I, I I am obsessed with the consumer and like understanding what they need and what they want and how we can best serve them, you know? So the innovation, the partnerships, um, we're only really local to Southern California. So like just bringing that like Southern California, you know, mom knowledge awareness, like what does this audience want? So there's just like a lot that I was like, yes, like this is, I'm like literally so hungry for this and so passionate about it. Um, so I think that was like a really, honestly, a a big part of the draw. And now I'm thinking about grocery, which is where we grew Cool House. Like, yeah, like this is no one's touched Lunchables, you know, for a decade, like more than a decade. Like, let's just, you know, how about Lunch Bunchables? Right. You heard it here.
2: Lunchables (laughs) are, Lunchables were the best thing when you were a kid, but as an adult, now you look at them and you're like, what is that meat? I have some questions. So (laughs) I, I think that's great that you're providing options for families that want, um, to spend more time with their kids but also have healthier options for their children and i know you mentioned it can be a very loaded topic i know a lot of people have opinions on um what kids should and shouldn't be eating um how do you how do you navigate that do you uh or customer input or um consumer input
1: yes well um one thing i think first is i very much believe in the saying you try to please everyone you please no one So you got to know you can't get everybody, Um, but I think you have to sort of pick where there's the most alignment possible with the problem you're trying to solve. And also, I think you, you, you know, this is another product like Cool House where like I am the target demo, you know, I have a three and six year old. So, um, you know, what, what would I expect? What would I want to see? You know, what? What is gonna be meaningful to me that the product is and is not? You know, where do, where do you draw that line? Um, and I think you have to also present that you've, and, and really communicate that you spent a lot of time thinking about this. You know, we're talking about bringing like a dietitian uh on the, on the advisory board, you know, like where can we bring that kind of panel of experts to help bring that trust to all the work we've done to, you know, really kind of um, develop these meals? How do we articulate that? being very, very clear with, you know, the call outs on the meals, this is an excellent source of protein, this is high in omega fats, you know, what are what are the things that are going to stand out to parents and, and just doing like a ton of listening. And I'm really enjoying having more of an e-com driven business than Cool House, because you have a more direct relationship to, to the consumer. And they may not always fill them out, but you can at least show them a survey always and say, tell us what you think, tell us what you think. And you're just hungry, 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 taking the feedback in, take it in, take it in iterate, 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 make it better, make it better. And it never stops, you know? So there has to be like a really good cycle of communication with your audience. And there has to be the willingness to just always keep improving.
0: Which is so important, especially as you're growing a business, making sure you take that into account. Um, and, Like you said, you're a good demographic to choose from. You have two kids of your own that, you know, you're wanting to make sure, you know, they are as healthy as can be. You're spending time with them and what's more important and things like that. So I think that's a really cool way of thinking about it. And obviously you're very passionate about it, which is very needed when launching a business. Um, So I think that's, I think that's a really cool concept. So kind of looking forward, I know you're just launching lunch bunch and this is like your new, uh, baby, it's your new business going forward, but what are you looking forward to kind of next as you navigate your career?
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely, you know, we're in the early stages of this, so I'm really like loving it and, and, um, enjoying the journey. Um, once again, which I didn't know if I had another one in me, but I I definitely do. And I am, you know, um, grateful to be, like have something that's like gaining momentum, and just there's there's just a lot to do, and, and you feel like it's it's nice to like obviously like we all want to have that purpose through work. Um, my my next next chapter that I envision for myself is getting into politics and running for office. Um, I think I would again want to probably keep it local. Um, but I've been interested in politics for a while. I just actually co-hosted an event, um, uh, with uh, Tammy Baldwin. Who is, you know, the the out lesbian senator in Wisconsin, which is um, you know, uh, it's a pretty big deal, especially considering that the state is taking a more conservative turn. um and also uh, Sherrod Brown uh, from Ohio. So I've been get, you know, building relationships, getting involved, have just like very, very interested in again, how can I bring the skill set of an entrepreneur and a business leader to politics? And um, I did training actually last summer um, uh, with Victory Institute, um, which was fantastic and wanting to, you know, kind of sow the seeds of that. I believe like there's so much crossover, like the fundraising, setting the vision, you know, community platform policy. It's just, it's, I'm excited. It, it just, you know, it's more about representing people than about, um, you know, running a business. Um, so, um, that I see as my next, next chapter. So I probably want to start with maybe like a city council then go for, county supervisor or maybe maybe mayor you know yeah that's so cool like
0: <laughs> that yeah. is not what i expected at the next step but right it's so cool yeah Think about another career change
1: <laughs> yes
2: know yes, exactly. we, we may we may have to do uh season two of career changers <laughs> <laughs> get you back on here um oh that that is that is amazing um i i've I mean I'm sure for our listeners they're going to hear this and go wow what can't she do like architect turned entrepreneur turned politician um you mentioned before that you know there there can be a lot of people who doubt you or just kind of make assumptions based off of what you look like who you are your identity um how I'm sure all of this you know confidence and fearlessness didn't happen overnight um how do you how did you grow that and become the person that you are today? And do you have any advice for our listeners out there that want to take a leap, whether it's a career pivot or um, a promotion, or just feeling more confident about themselves and in their identity and their careers, what advice do you have for them?
1: Yeah, I think, um, I definitely think the the confidence is key. And I understand that, you know, yeah, it's hard to kind of cultivate that overnight. Obviously, like having a great support, support system does help with that. Um, so I'm very lucky in that way. Um, but I think, you know, just kind of know that universally, like everyone's, it, most people are in a similar boat, you know, mo- a lot of people will not necessarily, um, you're not like, qualified today for the job that you want because you're not in that job yet you know so so everyone's kind of gonna if you're gonna ask like everyone's taking a leap of faith you know what really gets people farther along is the ask or is wanting it or is having that desire you know and life is short I mean I do think you have to kind of envision the rejection also and be like you know whatever like the rejection is worth the upside like are you never are you not going to do something because the rejection is just going to feel uncomfortable the rejection will eventually be forgotten you know and you will move on and new things will will come so um you know you do have to like kind of be comfortable it's not necessarily going to work out because you ask and because you kind of built up the confidence but taking the risk is worth it. Um, you know, and 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 believing that maybe even if um it's a jump, like that you can get there and that you're a fast learner and you're have the willingness to do it. Um that's how it that's how it works for everybody. You know, like, um so yeah, life's too short to just, you know, not to, to like just kind of not do things because rejection could happen. Um yeah, you got to go for it. And, you know, um I do believe that there, it is a numbers game. And if you keep asking and you keep trying for things you really do believe you can do, and you're willing to work for, you will, the doors will open.
0: The rejection part I think is the most, is a very key thing here, right? Yeah. Especially as an entrepreneur, I'm sure there were many times where it's like, you know, you're going to take this leap of faith and you may hear no, but kind of, kind of along the lines of what you said of letting it roll off your shoulder and keep going. Cause maybe the next person will say yes, or the next person after that will say yes. And, you know, kind of just pushing on from there and having that willingness to listen and maybe take feedback and then keep going from there is an important reminder, um, for anyone, not just an entrepreneur, but just in, in life, like you said, you're not in that next position yet because you're maybe not ready for that position, but how can you get there? Exactly.
1: Uh, Which is, and I also want to add on what you're saying. I think, especially for women, I think we have our own unique relationship with rejection. So much of our social socialization is about not feeling and, and pleasing, you know? And I do think men have a lot more kind of social permission to like think big, but then they fail, but then that's okay. You know, or they're, they're just kind of more in that position of, of the asking and, you know, and even if you think about like the traditional roles of like, you know, men asking women out or men asking women to marry them, you know, like, Th- there's a, m- a much sort of like different relationship with a rejection in a way and acceptance of it. And I think it does serve you particularly in business. And I think for women, like, yeah, we do kind of have to almost recondition ourselves to like, no, like that's that's okay. Like you're not a failure if a failure happened, like the failures are definitely gonna happen. It's like how you react to them and what you do next, you know?
0: Which I think you hit it so um, so beautifully on the head too of like, we are conditioned differently to take rejection. Yes. And it's, we take it more personally, I think in that way too, where, you know, we internalize it, we go, oh my goodness, you know, it is seen almost as a failure for women. Whereas for men, maybe it's just like, oh, okay, that didn't happen. You know, maybe the next time, whereas we go, okay, what did we do? How can we, you know, make sure this doesn't happen next time, which are good thoughts, but we internalize it a lot more. Yeah, You know, it's seen more as a failure versus an opportunity for women, which is, you know, not the best thing for us and yeah, reconditioning that thought process and how we, how we react to it, um, is going to be important because, you know, women can bring just as much to the world as men and making sure that our voices are heard, um, and being bold in our asks and going for it, just like men would in certain situations. So I like that reminder.
2: (laughs) I'm curious, actually, if um, you've, I mean, you've been in, been in this industry for years now, very experienced. Um, Have you seen a shift overall in the landscape um, when it comes to female entrepreneurship? Um, Do you think that uh, we're moving in a more positive direction with that social conditioning, maybe both on an individual level, but then on an overall, like, business, entrepreneurship, landscape
1: uh, type level? You know, in some ways, I, I think I think the conversation has happened and it's changed a little, but in the vast scheme of things now, um, I think you will still look where the money's going and who's writing the checks and who's getting the checks. And it's gonna take, you know, it will take a generation to see like bigger change and then it will take another generation. I think we just have to keep like moving the dial and moving it forward the best we can um cuz i definitely don't think it's by any it's not even close to being equal for women and then particularly for like women of color it's like even more of a drop off so just even like lots more to do there but i i'm hopeful that it continues to move in the right direction
2: and it's great that you're a part of that group of women that get to usher in this next generation and be yeah. one to look up to and do work that people aspire towards. So, yeah, um, thank you for doing the work and doing the hard work. <laughs> I'm sure there are some days that are not easy.
1: Anytime. <laughs> That's what I'm here for.
2: I love it. So,
0: with all of your experience that you've had, you know, three different careers, two successful businesses. Um, what? Would you do anything differently with what you know now um, in the sense of like, you know, would you have changed any of your decisions? What would you potentially do differently if you looked back and, you know, with what you know now?
1: It's a, t- it's always a good question, but a tough one to answer because it's like you, I wouldn't be where I am today if I didn't have like those, the failures and the learnings and really that test of then how you respond. Like I said, it's, I mean, not only character building, but I think an important, kind of uh, indicator of like, yeah, just like business acumen, business approach strategy. Um, I definitely think that, uh, you know, like speaking of like the money piece, like it is tricky because I have raised a lot of money in my career um, and it's money does come with, you know, um, a lot of expectations. And I think with Cool House, something that I learned is, it's like, it was my first experience at like, you know, getting some pretty big checks and then, and then how do you need to best show up with what you uniquely bring to the table? How much do you sort of, you know, um, compromise and relinquish and work together with new partners versus how much do you sort of have to um say, this is how this has to be. And this this is not going to change, you know, and, and a big part is working together, you know, then you suddenly have a board of directors and, you know um, I think, I think kind of the managing up, I learned a lot um, with cool house. And I think that's something I'm still always working on um, and knowing how to best kind of serve everyone's interests, you know, in that sense. Um, So that would be one thing I would say is, is like, yeah, always kind of a learning process and always trying to figure out how to show up better.
0: And you bring up an interesting point um, of like how Cool House was your baby, Lunch Bunch is your baby. How are you making sure that, you know, your mission, your vision are staying consistent throughout when there may be other influences that are, you know, wanting to maybe take it a different direction?
1: Yeah, I think it's always good to listen. And like, even as a founder, like you definitely don't know everything, you know, you've started something, you've gotten it to a certain point. But like, just trying to be as intelligent as you can about picking and choosing and then picking your battles are the ones that are, you know, the non-negotiables for a brand and the ones that you're willing to try something new. Yeah.
2: With all of these uh, different voices, different opinions that might be weighing in on your business. um, How do you make sure that you surround yourself with uh, the type of people that you want to work with and who you trust and Um, who can really be there to be your support system when you have questions or doubts or uh, need an additional opinion that you can go to that you feel you can trust?
1: I think um, the more you can sell people on the the vision and really be transparent with like what's behind all of it, you know, so that they're really bought in and they're drinking the Kool-Aid, it's like it's got to be bigger than just completing a job. It's like, what are we here to do? What's the mission? Why? Um, what are we standing for, you know, giving people a seat at the table, maybe before they expect it. Cause, cause why not, you know, like, why does it have to be this exclusive conversation? I think so many people can have different things to add. Um, you know, someone could be, you know, a decade younger, but maybe they're more specialized or maybe they were part of a brand that you're really trying to model your own brand after. So like give people a voice, like great ideas can come from anywhere. I always say, um, so I think like if you establish that, it's never a guarantee, but you're so much more likely to have to be able to trust and have that bind in both directions um and create strong something stronger than you know, work for a paycheck. And I also think you have to be willing to admit when you're wrong constantly. And you just have to say, like, oh, I'm sorry, I missed that. I that was that that's on me. I mean, just, just own it, you know, who cares, you know, like you're, you're modeling what you want to see from your team as a leader. Do you want to fight someone for like whose fault something was like, no, you just want people to say like, yeah, I, I I miss that. It's okay. We're going to figure it out next time. And if you're not willing to do that as a leader, like why would they do that?
2: That's a really great point. Just being able to admit when you're wrong, I think garners so much res- more respect than no. pushing back or trying to place blame on someone um, and is a quality of uh, a great leader versus someone who's you know, trying to maintain a facade of power, or control, or having it together, um, which I know you've mentioned a few times throughout our uh, conversation today, just, um, learning how to manage up, how to uh, adjust your management style, your leadership style. Um, how would you describe your style? And um, do you have any uh, advice for those who are looking to become better leaders?
1: I would say um, I definitely am uh, a, a creative thinker and kind of do lead with creativity and kind of thinking as thinking of unique ideas as really having a lot of value. Um, I like things to be fun. You know, I believe actually we work the hardest and we're having the most fun, ironically, like the, the way the day could just go by. You don't even notice like, that's what I want from my work every day. Um, I like to be really collaborative and like, yeah, bring in team members. Listen, I, I really like independent workers, so I don't want to micromanage. I want to tell you the exact amount that you need to just run with something. And then you get back to me, you know, when it works. Um, I, I think that, um, yeah, just being really, really transparent and I, I, I don't like stress out. I like just want to solve the problem. I don't think I'm like really freaking out. And I do try to do my best at making sure we have like a work-life balance at a company that, and if people are doing extra hours, it's because they're, they're wanting to, and they're excited, not because they feel like, you know, someone's going to yell at them. <laughs> it's very much not my style. Pretty even guilt. I'm like, let's we'll just figure it out, you know? Yeah.
2: <laughs> Sounds like a very positive work environment, very healthy. Um definitely something that I think we're seeing more of post-pandemic. Um, but that's another great. Well, I guess sort of post-pandemic.
1: Yeah, right. We're still in it. <laughs> yeah, I know. When does it officially end? We don't know. I know. <laughs>
2: um, but I guess that's another great question. How uh, how has the pandemic impacted um, your business and your career goals?
1: Um, I think that the pandemic was a look was a step back for everybody to think about what they really want and what they what's most important how they want to show up. You know, uh, for themselves, for their family, for their friends, and so I think you like. I mean, for me, like Cool House, I ready, and always did feel so passionate. So I think I always was really lucky to have purpose driven work. But I know a lot of people, like, if it wasn't feeling like that, it was time to kind of reconsider, or maybe it was just about the type of work and wanting to have a more flexible environment. Um, I definitely like am so used to the whole remote work thing, like it's funny. I was thinking when like COVID first ended in terms of like me and my team were vaccinated, I just could not wait to get into the office. And we would go constantly and try to go every day. And then now I'm like, we do have like a co working space, but I like my time at home, you know, and I like, I'm just so used to like being at home and the way that that feels and to be able to be on a phone call and be like sitting in my yard or whatever, which was like, felt very foreign, you know, obviously before COVID or in the early days of COVID. Um, but definitely it, it put the accelerator on the political stuff for me too, you know, after after the lunch munch chapter. Cause I think that's something that feels very, very purpose-driven. And, you know, how can I impact um and reform, you know, um policy or um uh just be or progress, you know, in a in a really, really authentic way.
2: I think that's great to be able to turn something that was so um just unbelievably hard to just really, you know, put it in the, it's, I can't even describe it with words, the pandemic, we're still all processing, we'll be yes. processing for a while. Um, we'll process
1: that, probably for the rest of our lives. <laughs>
2: yeah, something that was so unbelievably difficult for everyone um, into something so positive and using that as a motivation to make change and move into this next phase of your career in the future. Yeah. I think, uh, Kelsey and I got through most of our questions now. Um, so what we're, what we're starting to do is turn it back on our guests and ask if there's anything that, uh, we have not touched on that you would like to share or talk about or, um, share with our listeners. Uh, we would be happy to dive into that.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, no, so I really appreciate the thoughtful questions and I enjoyed the conversation. I mean, um, you know, I'm on the, uh, the board of, of the arts for UCLA. So I'm always thinking of um, just the school in particular, you know, and how we can show up for each other and how we can really represent LA. Um, so I think if any, you know, any of your like listeners who have thoughts or ideas about that or want to understand how UCLA can be more meaningful to them whether they're at the campus now, or on the campus now, or alum or connected to alums. Um, you know, send me. I'm, I'm Natasha J Case on on Instagram. So just send me a note or Natasha, lunch-bunch.com. Um, and so that that's just something on my mind, particularly for this. Um, but no, I think I I think we we talked about so many good things, and I just yeah, I think um, if there's something you really feel the burning desire to do, you know. You, you, you just, I would say, just go for it and you don't have to like abandon everything else you're doing to explore something new. I I met with a friend from high school yesterday who had a really cool snack idea. Um, and she's, you know, an entertainment lawyer at a big studio and it's like, yeah, you could, you, especially in today's world, you could start the snack idea and you could continue, you know, whatever your kind of more comfortable journey is, you know, with your, with your main career you you can you can kind of have it all in that way. so it's always worth exploring and trying and i hope people are inspired to do that.
2: i think so often people get stuck too where they feel like oh i'm i'm pigeonholed into this career path like i could never do a pivot and starting from a place of curiosity or passion or even just liking something a little bit and wanting to do more with it i think you realize oh wow i i kind of like this maybe i could turn this into a career yeah. and then you don't always plan it out that way. It just kind of happens.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
0: Well, before we let you go today, we do have some rapid fire questions for you. So first one is what is a piece of media that you've recently consumed, be it a book, a podcast, a TV show, anything along those lines?
1: You know, I want, I I need to get back to more reading like COVID times, but I, um, have really liked the two things we are watching right now are the last of us which is really good, you know, that much better version of like the typical zombie show and also starts in 2003. And that's kind of like when I was like, you know, end of high school, early college. And it's just kind of fun to see, you know, that time period represented on TV. Um, So I, yeah, I've been liking that a lot. Of course, we liked White Lotus. Uh, we, we were watching the Cara Delevingne Planet Sex Show. That was a good one. Those have been my main three. yeah, I need to get back to the reading though, and I will. I promise I will
2: uh so next we would love to hear what you do for self-care.
1: I love acupuncture. I go to a great place mother nurture wellness um ever since she treated me ever since. um you know, I went through IVF to have our second kid, my our daughter Nico. So I love acupuncture. I love massage. I also love golf and tennis. Especially with playing with yeah, playing with Freya's very good, uh, at at both of those as well. Um, so those I think are my favorite things. And then I don't know, just cuddles with the kids, like you can't beat that.
0: Oh, absolutely, I'm sure. And I love that you play tennis. I've tried playing tennis. It lo- it is so much harder than it looks let me just say from someone who played softball, trying to pivot to tennis Ooh. was not successful. So
1: <laughs> it's definitely its own animal. <laughs> yes.
0: So now tying it back to campus a little bit in UCLA, what is your favorite place on campus?
1: You know, last I really went and spent time, I think besides a, a board meeting, we had a board meeting at the Hammer, which is always awesome, but I love Poly Pavilion. It's just the excitement, the energy, watching the team play. Um, it was the UCLA USC game. It was awesome.
0: It is a very vibrant place. Always full of of joy and excitement.
1: And I also, my first, um, job was I was, um, the ball girl for the UCLA women's team when I was 13, I think we got like 15 bucks a game. My dad had to open a bank account for me. I I also, I recognize that sounds like child labor, but there was a way that they could do that. Like it was like a, a stipend, or I don't know how they did it exactly, but I don't want to get Something anyone in trouble. Like stipend, yeah. yeah. But, um, <laughs> so uh, fun early memories from there.
0: Oh, that's so great. Well, Natasha, thank you so much for a great interview. We really appreciate all of your time and to our listeners. Thank you for listening and go Bruins. Your participation supports the launch of exciting new programming that lifts the Bruin community like the Bruin Promise a central website showcasing UCLA-developed career and professional development, health and wellness, arts and culture, and lifelong learning resources for all stages of your life. Listen to UCLA Alumni Association President Ann Wang talk about UCLA's newest initiative. Chancellor Block
2: has deep passion for what he calls the Broom Promise. This means that learning out of curiosity, both in the classroom, out of the classroom, doesn't stop when you graduate but rather continues in every stage of your life as a learner. So that's really the Bruin promise through and through, that we as UCLA and as the Alumni Association are behind you, we've got your back, and we're gonna be able to provide the knowledge that comes out of this incredible university, no matter
0: what stage you're in and what you're curious about.